Leading Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. It is indeed time for Mystery Hour, your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction not ordinarily available anywhere else on your radio. 0345 is the number you need if you have a question that you suspect somebody will know the answer to. And the number remains the same, of course, if you hear somebody else ask a question to which you do know the answer. The rules are simple, but very, very, very rigorous, rigorously even. Just put my teeth in. Very rigorously imposed. Um, don't be boring. So if you sense when you ring in that the people answering the phone are unimpressed by your inquiry, don't labour the point. Just just politely move along. Make room for someone else. Uh, and repetition as well. But that's kind of my job to look out for repetition, given that you're not going to know what happened on this programme five years ago. Nor am I, actually. But I, I'm more qualified than you are. What with the fact that I presented it... Um, and that pretty much covers it. Oh, you're not allowed to look stuff up in order to find an answer. Obvs, because that would make a mockery of the whole thing. It's a celebration of education, enlightenment, knowledge. And, and it does have, I mention this every few weeks, it has a very serious subtext, actually. I was talking to one of my children about it at the weekend. Um, because I, I don't know what their relationship with knowledge is going to be like as they get older. I still try and teach them according to my relationship with knowledge, but their schools don't. The schools recognise the fact that they can be online in a heartbeat in a way that we simply couldn't. I belong to a generation that was still troubled by the thought of taking pocket calculators into maths exams on the grounds that somehow it compromised your ability to do maths. I remember having arguments at the time about um, the, the point being, well, why, if you've got a calculator, why do you need to know what pi is? You just press the pi, 3.141592. You just press the button on the on the thing, or Sokotoa. Do you remember Sokotoa for trigonometry? The sine is the opposite and the hypotenuse. The cosine is the adjacent and the hypotenuse. And the tangent is the opposite and the adjacent. Why do you need to know all that now? Because you can literally find it out in a heartbeat. Whereas when I was a kid, you couldn't. So I, I, that's what Mystery Hour is. It kind of recognises that knowledge, we still think knowledge is good. Even though we also recognise that the sum total of the species' entire knowledge base is accessible at the flick of a mouse. Seven minutes after 12 is the time. So this is how the questions work. A who, a why, a what, a where, a when, a whither, a wherefore, even the occasional whence. You ring me and say, why do we do Jack that? Where does that come from? Well, I, was, I, was, I was out the other day and I saw this thing and I want to know, does it, what, what's that for? Anything. I, I like the serious stuff, but some of the best questions we've had on Mystery Hour over the years have been very much at the silly end of the scale. So wh whatever it is, whether it's silly or serious or somewhere in between, then the number remains the same. And if you know the answer, just ring in and tell me. I will ask what your qualifications are. It's not a strict bar. It's not a difficult bar to get over. You might say, as one of our regular contributors does, you might say, um, for example, I'm the professor of the public understanding of science at the University of Brighton. And that would be a great qualification if you're answering a science question. Or you might say, I saw it on the telly last night, James. I saw it on David Attenborough last night. And that's just as valid a qualification. All I'm trying to do is establish the credibility of your contribution. Yeah? So that's quite straightforward. And, it, and what that means is that if your qualification is incredible, if, if it's so relevant and on the money, then you might get a Ray Liotta. Okay? A Ray Liotta is a, a reward on the program that is reserved for people whose qualifications for the contribution that they've made are almost unbelievably solid. So if we were, for example, having a conversation about the Vatican and someone called Francis rang in to answer it and I said, what are your qualifications? And he said, I am a da pop. That would definitely get a Ray Liotta. It doesn't quite have to be that impressive. 
but it has to be quite impressive. And sometimes people complain when I award them. Um, some people complain when I don't. I ignore you all furiously. Speaking of experts, because there is a lot of room for experts on this program, if you're just tuning in for Miss Chair and you've missed the first two hours of the program, um, I, 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 you'll be surprised to learn that I've been singing Donald Trump's praises today. It's not something I ordinarily do, because I think that his response to the imminent arrival of a, of a particularly virulent hurricane upon the American soil is, is a rare example of him seeming both incredibly intelligent, informed and compassionate. This is what Donald Trump had to say about that hurricane. It's tremendously wet. It's nine minutes after 12, and Jack can kick us off this week in Worcester Park. Question or answer, Jack? Hello, James. Oh. Uh, it's a question, actually. Go on. Um, basically, uh, me and my brothers, we all listen to your show and we love it. Excellent. Scott, who will be listening now. We've <laughs> um, been uh, talking about this for a while. Basically, ripped off. Where does that come from? Like, if you go to a shop and you feel like it was too expensive, you say, oh, I feel like I was ripped off by that transaction. Like, where is the origins of it? Where's it come from? What do you think? It means you've paid over the odds, doesn't it? It doesn't mean you've been conned. Yeah. Well, it's not no, if you bought well, if you got if you bought a box and you'd been told that it had a, a, a computer in it and when you got it home it had bricks in it would that be ripped off or would that be yeah. that would also be ripped off yeah I'd say that as well as being overcharged like it's yeah. that's not what you thought like, but it probably it, only meant yeah. one of them originally that's what I'm thinking because uh, you, you know what clipping coins is when the, when coins were actually worth what they were worth according to what metal was in them people would clip a tiny bit off and melt it down to make. I wonder if it's in some way going to be to do with ripping something off and you, well, you thinking that you... Go on, yeah, tell, tell me what the yeah, three Al, brothers, the Al, three amigos... The three brothers, yes, the three Hawkins brothers. <laughs> All we were thinking was that instead of maybe clothing, like if you're yeah. buying clothing, they would rip the price tag off so maybe they could charge you more for it depending on how you look yeah. or something along them lines. Great so, minds. I'm think, thinking similarly. I'm thinking yeah. literally that it will be a literal ripping involved, but, but that it's come to become metaphorical over the years. I love that, Jack. Regards to your brothers. What is the origin of the phrase ripped off? 03456060973. Wayne in Basildon, if he's listening today, read the entire Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable about five years ago, precisely so that he would be able to wade in and answer questions like this. Let's see if he can remember. Matt is in Rotherham. Matt, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on, Matt. James, I was having a little bonfire the other day, and, and I started thinking, why do we, in 2018, still use something as Neolithic as water to put out large building fires? Why is nothing being developed which is more technical, techni more advanced? <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> um, I think I can answer this. Please. Well, I think you've answered it, actually. Water's brilliant water i mean it, it works it's so brilliant it it's the best thing well it's the best thing you could use i mean think of it in terms of accessibility in terms of yeah. e efficacy and in terms of cost you're never going to find anything better than water mate well that's my question no, that are is my answer you're not going to invent a, a reverse microwave what about liquid nitrogen liquid helium you can, where are you going to get that more? from mate if you're trying to put out a big warehouse fire you need but you need no, something that's, that's plugged into the mains well, why, why don't we have a liquid helium mains? We, we, we could save millions of lives here, James. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think so. I think my answer is, 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 is probably close to definitive, but I'm going to leave your question on the board in the rare hope that there might be some area of expertise that would be able to address your questions more directly. Well, Professor Howe's on the line, but it, it, I presume it's for your question, so we might... I know what he's going to do. He's going to ring in and tell me why we can't have liquid helium 
coming down the mains. He's not going to ring in and tell us why we still use water for putting out fires. The reason why we still use water for putting out fires is because there's nothing better. But you want to know why. And I don't know if that counts as a proper question. I think there's nothing cheaper, James. And if that's the answer, that'll be, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Well, OK. I mean, that, that is cheaper is the answer to almost everything, remember, because as I often use as an example of the Jubilee line on the London Underground in London, where the, it's impossible to fall under the train, which they could, on a lot of the Jubilee line it is, because the doors align almost perfectly with a tunnel on the platform. Now, they could do that on every platform, on every line, on every train in every county of this country, and that would save lives. But they don't, because the cost would be immense. And, and somewhere, someone tots up the figures and says, no, that's not worth it, that life isn't worth that much money. Slightly depressing thought, but that's society. John's in Reading. John, question or answer? Uh, question for you, James. Are you all right, mate? I'm all good, John. How are you? Oh, uh, good, well, good, mate. Good, nice good, good. Nice uh, my, uh, my question today is about tapping. Uh, oh, yeah. Not the actual um, element of tapping, but uh, tapping as you tap in trees. So if you you're, you're drill into a tree and you install a tap into a tree and then sap comes out, I want to know where the origin of basically tapping comes from. Tapping trees, as in getting the sap out of trees. Where does that come from? Yeah, like you get like like, like people make drinks out of it. And I like, saw it in um, I saw it in Sri Lanka once. I can't remember what was coming out of the tree. What would it have been? I think it might have been palm trees. Would it be palm oil of some sort? I don't know. But I, I think the origin. I know you've got, yeah, so you got like you got like people from all around the world, from different countries, uh, from Europe all the way to the Middle East, basically, or people who tap into trees. Maple syrup? Does that come out of a tap? Do you stick a tap in a maple tree to get maple syrup? I presume you do. I don't you? know. No. Your favourite answer? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the best words in the English language. Okay, I, I mean, you, so you want the first known historical example of it? Yep, and it has to be someone with a legitimate qualification to answer it. Yeah, mate, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> it's coming up to quarter to twelve. I mean, obviously, everyone has a legitimate qualification, but not necessarily an academic one. When did we start tapping trees? Have I made a fool of myself again? Did we not get maple syrup out of maple trees by some form of tapping? Pro- I don't know. Uh, fire and water, I've written down here. Um, that, oh, yeah. Why do we still use water to put out fires? You kind of had to be there to understand that question. And the origin of the phrase ripped off. Um, which is how you will feel if you tuned into this programme expecting a conversation about Brexit today. The best of James O'Brien. Mystery hour is upon us. Uh, what's the origin of the phrase ripped off? Why do we still use water to put out fires? And when do we start tapping trees to get stuff out of them? Thank you for... Where's that fellow gone with the Canadian girlfriend? I've lost your, your tweet, but he's done it with his... Um, <laughs> Kidderminster Mike has played a blinder. And we're about, we're about to do, yes. Um, the, the, the tapping of trees, maple syrup, it, 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 that is how you get maple syrup. But Kidderminster Mike, I like the way that you've described yourself, Mike, quite accurately deciding that if you were to put my hometown in front of your name, whether you're texting from there or not, then I will notice it a little bit more early. But that question about why we still use, why we still use water to put out fires, Kidderminster Mike has been in touch to point out that the, the President of the United States of America has the answer. It's tremendously wet. Thank you, Mr. President. Chris is in Liverpool. Chris, question or answer? Uh, it's a question, James. Carry on, mate. Uh, uh, um, why are there no formal passport checks when you're leaving the UK, um, whereas when you're leaving Austria, France, Germany, Spain, any of these countries, they have a kind of formal immigration officer standing there checking everyone's passports before you get on the plane? What do you um, mean by formal? Because you, well, you can't get on the plane until you've shown it at the gate. But No, if you, if you think... so. 
when you're checking in and putting your, you know, your, your cases in or whatever, you may yeah. get it checked by the lady who works for the airport. Or the not, not you may, you always do. You, you yeah, have you to. Always do. You have to show it. Uh, you can't get your boarding yeah. pass without showing your passport. Correct, but you do all of that in Spain as well. But then before you get on the plane, they actually have a, a member of the police or a member of the immigration who are sat in a booth and it's very formal and you have to walk up and they'll check it and scan it and everything. Whereas in this country, or certainly in my experience at Manchester, um, it's always been just a quick sort of glance at it and then you're on the plane. There's there's not a formal sort of I don't re- I don't recognise what you describe. Um, I've, I've been to all of the other countries that you mentioned. I don't remember feeling more closely scrutinised. Yeah, I mean, I, I was in Croatia last week, for example, yeah. and it made me think, I've thought about it in the past, but it made me think that... You know, you literally walk up, you queue in, you have to show your passport. It's a member of the police. They're there, they're checking it. And, they're, you know, it, it seems a lot more formal than the way they do it in the UK. The UK is always a bit more sort of, it's either someone from the airline having a quick glance at it or well, someone I, from I, the I, airline. Yeah, I, I put the question on the board, but you, you keep using words to sort of undermine my point. I mean, it's not a quick glance at it. They check it yeah. and they run it through the computer. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever been run through a computer board in a, a, a plane in the UK. It, it doesn't, doesn't seem like they are. No, they, maybe not, maybe not, like maybe not. But, at it. but you presume that they're doing something more than just looking at it. Don't they scan it? Don't they hold it over <laughs> that metal with that glass window and it gets scanned into they, the... They, I think they do when you come back into the I don't the get UK, the question. I'm going to leave it on the board. What, why are you so concerned about it? you got some big smuggling plans up your sleeve. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, fair uh, enough, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to indulge in Liverpudlian cliches there. That was a coincidence, geographically speaking. Chris... Why don't you have formal passport checks when you leave the UK? There was some debate in the production office over whether or not that was a stupid question. I'm on Ivan's side. Paul's in St. Paul's. Paul. Paul's in St. Paul's. These things please me. I've got such a sort of slow threshold for verbal pleasure. Uh, question or answer, Paul in St. Paul's. Yeah, well, I'm very glad to have pleased you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just, uh, it was, so it was about the water one. I appreciate, I think someone had phoned in already yes. to give an answer. No. Um... Oh, no, they hadn't. Oh, good. Oh, well, no, we, we did get an answer from, 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 from this guy. It's tremendously wet. Because the question uh, was, why is water still used for putting out fires? I mean, yeah, he, he knows what he's talking about. So, yeah. anyway, right, well, so I'm, I'm a fire engineer. I actually sort of uh, prescribe what type of firefighting provisions should go into various buildings. So I think the original question is, why is it only water? Yes. Uh, well, that's... Well, that's wrong. So, well, first of all, the reason it's the main one is because, yeah, it's so easy, like, for the infrastructure to go in, yeah. it's all there and water's readily available. But I'm assuming at LBC, you'll have, like, a huge computer room. Uh, there'll be all sorts of property protection in there. And the yes. last thing you want is a sprinkler system going off. Because it will short-circuit everything. Well, exactly. So what you do is um, every type of fire will have its flammability limits. So if you assume that your standard atmosphere is 80%, nitrogen, 20% oxygen, yeah. there, thereabouts, what you can do is you can have uh, inert gas and you can just flood the room and that will take the flammability limit such that there's not enough oxygen in the room and that will suppress the fire. So, But it wouldn't, it wouldn't other... work on a bushfire because you're outdoors. Yeah, well, I mean, well, that's just silly. Yeah, I, I know that it's just silly. I'm kind of mocking the bloke that asked the original question without oh, right, without making it clear that I'm mocking him. Um, and oh, yeah. in, in terms of, uh, he said, why don't we have liquid helium g- b- b- piped up and down the country? Liquid helium? Or hydrogen, mm, liquid yeah. hydrogen. Because, okay. I mean, you see where he's coming from. He's sort of thinking, well, we used water to put out fires when we were cavemen. How come we're still using it now? But But the answer is, we're not using it exclusively, and there isn't anything better. 
Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll let him sort out the sort of logistics yeah. for that. I mean, that, that sounds... How sounds many fire safe. engineers are there in the country? That, that's a good question. Well, um, in my company, we're about 20. Uh, I think we're quite a rare breed. Yeah. And your, your job is literally to decide what substances are best employed. Hey, look, that's, that's part of it. So within the sort of building regulations, uh, I look at fire. So that's like uh, means and of warning, so your detection systems, means of escape, how everyone gets out and what the building's constructed I on. need to know, and I need to get, and were you listening to Mystery Hour randomly or was did someone put you onto the fact that we had a question that suited your skill set so perfectly? I've been listening to you for the last three years. <sighs> I, 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 get, I need to get a ballpark figure for how many people there will be with your job description. Uh, I really couldn't say. I, I can't imagine it being too far into the thousands, but I, I really couldn't say. Oh, in, in the weekend. You got it. I'm Ray Liotta, and you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. If you build it, they will come. That's a true honour. You've made my day. Yeah, really it's, not, it's, not, it's not finished yet. You get a round of applause as well, Paul in St. Paul. Uh, <laughs> he so softened much. me Thank up, you, you see. He softened me up with the name, matching the location so perfectly. Tara is in Caterham. Tara, question or answer? Question, please. Carry on. You know the war between uh, the English and the French in the water, the English Channel? Which one? And they're waiting for the scallops. Oh, this one, the m- more recent return. one. Yes, yes. 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 How do scallops multiply? You mean sex? You want to know about scallop sex? But how 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 do we get more? How do they? How how are more created? Well, it's going to be sex. You want to know how they mate? Why why don't you Thank just you. come out and say it? How do scallops well, mate? Well, mate? Well, how do we get, just how do we get more? How do they multiply? How do they mate? Yes, all of that. It's got to be it's the mating you want to know about. Why are you being so coy? I'm not. You are being coy. You want no. to know how scallops do it. Do you know? No, I don't particularly want to know because I'm not weird. But I'll put it on the board. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. You. Tara, with the scallop fetish, I can I can absolutely indulge that for you. Okay, my dear. Why Why do you want to know? Well, I just wanted to know. I had this thought. You know, they're waiting for more scallops to come by, and you just wait, you wait. just wonder how how do they multiply? Actually, you know what's going to happen now, don't you? What's going to happen? The, the answer's not going to involve sex. It probably isn't. And I I'm going to look like so, an idiot. But, you know, I didn't want to interrupt the person who is leading the show. Well, I, that's very kind of you, but please don't don't be <laughs> so welcome. reluctant next time, especially if you think I might be in the process of making a fool of myself. Mm. Mm. No I sh- comment. No comment. Thank you, Tara. How do scallops make baby scallops? Oh, three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. It's the number you need. Patricia's in Peckham. Patricia, question or answer? I have a question, James. Carry on, Patricia. Um, my question is, why is a scratch a remedy for an itch? Why, why, why wouldn't it be? But why that specifically? Well, an itch is, is to do with your nerves. Yeah. And a scratch is also to do with your nerves. So when you've got an itch and you scratch it, the irritation to your nerves goes away really simple as that yeah oh okay yeah. I, 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 I mean that is it <laughs> you sure yeah i'm positive <laughs> all right i do a lot I, of scratching I, I do a, it's a male thing this i presume is it patricia as i get older i find that scratching increasingly is one of life's greatest pleasures 
Uh, it's a male thing. Okay. Is there a man in your life at the moment? Yes, there is. Yes. Old, can I ask how old he is? He is 47. Uh, does he do a lot of scratching? Yes. And, uh, more than he did <laughs> yeah. More than he did when you met, am I right? Yeah. 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 Now, here's the question. Is it because he's more comfortable scratching in your presence, now that you know each other so well? Or <laughs> does the pleasure of scratching increase for men as they get older? That's a good question. That is better than yours. Well, I find it annoying, though, that last night I was lying in bed and I had an itch and I had to scratch it. We are still... We're not doing figures of speech now, are we, Patricia? No. No, no, no. no. (laughs) I I mean, this is a family (laughs) programme. No, 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 no. I had a itch, so I thought, oh, I well, it is, it's, just, it's just your nerves. It's, it's just your nerves. It's the scratching. I mean, I'll leave it on the board, because we probably want a slightly more academic-sounding answer, don't we? But I shall, um, I shall endeavour to get you one. Why does scratching fix itches? How do scallops get made? Uh, passport checks, uh, tapping of trees, fire and water beautifully handled. We even got a Ray Liotta. And the origin of the phrase, ripped off. It's coming up to half past off. I can squeeze in Luke in Basingstoke if he's very quick. Luke, question or answer? It's an answer. Go on. I don't think it's going to be as definitive as you like. Oh. But it's about the tree tapping. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, tree tapping has been around since, like, indigenous... The indigenous Canadians would have done it with maple syrup. Yeah. And um, it would have been in Europe for thousands of years yeah you're right that's not as definitive as i would have liked but, 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 but no it's all right mate i mean it's been around for thousands of years i think we could have worked out between us that that isn't going to get a round of applause the best of james o'brien it's mystery out which for the first time ever actually i, I there's two stories i've kind of dropped the ball on today i think the, the, this story about the conservative meps being the only governing conservative the only right wing governing party in Europe to, to whip its MEPs to vote against attempts to censure Viktor Orban, the Hungarian fascist, for his... I mean, that's incredible. It, it was whipped. I had to double-check that it was whipped, not not to... Because um, it could have a Brexit explanation. Uh, you know, they could just be throwing cogs in spokes in the... sticks in the spokes of everything in the European Parliament at the moment, because they're such... Uh, supporters of Brexit, but, I mean, this is quite incredible. The only governing Conservative Party in Western Europe to support the Hungarian far-right in an EU vote yesterday was ours. I know I joke a lot about not being able to get guests um, on the programme from the governing party, or indeed the opposition leader, Uh, but, I mean, we're going to have to speak to someone about this. The anti-Semitism problems with which the Labour Party is still so inadequately wrestling are, are, are real and present, despite some attempts to deny them, but voting for an actual far-right leader. This is someone who undermines the independence of the judiciary. He Has he locked up journalists, Auburn? I, I haven't... I'd be certainly very, very hard to find any journalism, free journalism in Hungary that is critical of the government. And, 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 and every other conservative governing Conservative Party in Western Europe voted the other way. We are becoming something I don't recognise anymore in this country. And quite a few of you have pointed out, as I suggested, they're not just flirting with fascists anymore, they're actually voting for them. Quite a few of you are asking, at which which point do you actually start asking yourself, James, whether they might be on the right side? Um, So we will uh, get stuck into that story tomorrow. 
God willing. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three is the number that you need. And the other story, in case you were wondering, I said I dropped two balls today, was um, the Russian story. That, that I just want to say t- one thing very briefly about this. The, the, the two men who were responsible for trying to kill Sergei Skripal on British soil and who accidentally killed another British citizen uh, and left two others, her partner and Skripal's daughter, very, very seriously ill, are, have given an interview to Russian state television in which they laugh at all of us. They laugh at you and they laugh at me as we were in Salisbury to admire the spire on the... They are laughing their socks off the minute the cameras stop rolling. They think this is genuinely hilarious. The men that killed um, uh, Andrei Litvinenko in London ended up serving in the Russian parliament and the other one got his own chat show on TV. Putin sends these people to this country to kill us, to kill our our, our neighbours. And then they go on national television to laugh. And there are still people in public life in Britain who are on their side, not yours, not ours. Not just in Britain. Embarrassingly close to home sometimes. 12.37 is the time. Back to mystery. My apologies for that brief interlude of seriousness. Eric's in New Malden. Eric, what can you tell us? Question or answer? Uh, uh, answer, sir. Carry on, Eric. It's uh, the etymology of ripoff. Oh, good. So it's actually not that old. It's from the late 60s. It's African-American slang. Um, use, using the, yeah, so it means to steal off of someone. Rip was used since the early 1900s in America as prison slang uh, to steal. And then rip and off the was or- just an evolution of that. Right. And rip is actually um, Danish. Is it? So, it, yeah, it means to tear apart roughly. Oh, yeah, sure. Which is, which is why you find it in things like rip tides. Rip currents are things that pull things away very quickly. How do we know that, that it got that it, it, it evolved in that way in the sixties? Uh, it's just just from the literature, so that's where it came in print. But what are your qualifications? What are your how do you know this? Oh, I studied etymology at Penn State University. I know that you told me last week, but, but you didn't remember this, did you? Is it just filed away in the back of your mind as a, as a as rip? A, is rip is one of my favorite words. Is it? It is, yeah. Because cool. uh, even like a uh, ripcord on a mm. parachute, mm. originally that was a cord on hot air balloons that you would pull uh, to open up a, a little patch in the balloon to let the air out so you come down. So synonym for steel, and then in the 60s it just it just moved on to rip off. We're going to rip off that That's guy. Because right. yeah. that, that makes it, it's the person that you rip off, it's the goods that you rip. Yes. I like Precisely that. Precisely so. That's it. Is that two for two for you, Eric? Did you Was it last week that you were on? It, it was last week. You're kind enough to let me on last week and this week as well. That's Thank a, you. That's a mark of your knowledge, mate. Everyone's welcome if they if they know as much as you do. Well, here we go. Two for two. James is in Biddeford in Devon. I love Biddeford. Hello, mate. Hello. Well, so question yeah. or answer, James? Oh, question, please. Carry on. So, uh, how long do spiders' webs stay sticky for? <laughs> do, they, do they all stay sticky? Do we know that? Well, I've got a web. Right outside my house, underneath a bit of gutter that yeah. I've left for almost a couple of years now, and there's still like loads of little things stuck to it. Just have an experiment. Yeah, but, the, so. but, but it's not. I mean, I'm not mocking your question, although I am a little surprised it got put through. It's because the spider that lives on your web will re-stickify it. Regular. No, no. There's, there's been nothing living on that for well over a year, which means the bonding agent, whatever it is, on that's the very. Un- I think that's very, very unlikely. Oh, I don't know. It can't be because I looked at it this morning. Yeah, but the spider might be tiny, or the spider might not live on the web. He might just come and visit and, and pick up his spoils. Mm, but if you see, but what do you mean by sticky as well? I mean, because it, 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 it's well, 
once the spider's left, the dust will settle on the web, so you'll be able to visibly see it a lot better. Oh, and it will yeah. stay like that for a very long time. So the bonding agent on the web must be there way after the spider's gone. All right. How long do spiders' web stay sticky for? I, I think they get re- I think they get their stickiness reapplied by the spider on a regular basis. But you're not accepting that, which is your prerogative. Oh, that is your. Pro- I'm trying to. Why do I? Where do I? I try to because I, I holiday a lot in Devon. I'm just trying to place Biddeford. It's, it's, it's about ten miles from uh, Barnstable. Yeah. No, I do go there. So, so I mean, when I go to Baggy Point and places like that, that's in your neck of the woods, isn't it? Yeah, you're not far off. No, I've got it. I, I, I like Biddeford a lot. What's the place I go to called, where I have that nice fish and chips? Gary knows. He's listening on. Squires. Squires, yeah. Where's that? What town's that in? That's in um, uh, Braunton. Braunton. I get my Braunton's and my Biddeford's mis- mixed up. That's what's yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. we go. Cleared it all. Went a bit Alan Partridge there. Let me get you an answer to your question about... Um, very good fish and chips, though, in Squires, I must say. To, to, to your question about spiders. Thank you, James. Martin is in Cheshire. Martin, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on, Martin. To the passport question. Oh, yes. So, um, when you leave another country, or a majority of countries, um, they, it's part of the UK border control. They check you more thoroughly than when you leave the UK, where they just do the cursory yeah. check-in. Uh, and check your ticket, whereas when you leave another country, it's part of UK border control. So the person checking the ticket when I leave another country is UK border control? No, so when you check in at the airline like you would normally do, that's yeah. normal, that's yeah. a normal airline thing. But then there is, depending on which country you're leaving, but the majority of countries now will give you a more formal, either like the other guy said, uh, it'll be a police or uh, immigration control or something like that, will actually check your passport again before you get to... To uh, make sure that you're not coming to Britain illegally. Correct. So that, that that's the answer. That, we're not, we're not worried about people leaving, but we're worried about people coming in. Correct. Are you suggesting that we control our borders, Martin? <laughs> we took them back, didn't we? Oh, no, that's, that's so. <laughs> not yet, mate, um, no. What are all these, <laughs> someone <laughs> should go and tell all these fellas in Spanish airports <laughs> that we can't control our borders. They're wasting their time checking all these passports. Yeah. I mean, it, it obviously depends on where you're coming to and from. Yes. The majority, of, the majority of places now will give you a more formal okay. um, check of your passport. Do we know why? It's, I, I, I was told by the chap at Vienna Airport a year or so ago that it's part of UK border requirements. But probably because of immigration channels, because in answer to the question of why we wouldn't do it going out, it, because people yeah, are unlikely to be... Leaving, yeah. uh, it's not going to be part of the, 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 the you know, the uh, refugee crisis or the, or the migration channels. They're not likely to come through Britain to somewhere else, whereas Britain as a destination would involve coming Correct. through other countries. Correct. What are your, you, yes, you I love do- that. It's a great answer. And I took the mickey out of the question as well, and yeah, it turns out it was actually a very good question. It is, actually, and it's, it's become more stringent depending on where you're going through. Especially no, 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 no. You're losing the room now. It can't have become <laughs> more stringent because we can't control our borders, Martin. Oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot Pay attention. <laughs> I wasn't what, listening. What are your qualifications? Um, I fly a lot. <laughs> a lot. How much? Too much. Just, I love the Too way you much. say he flies a lot. This man flies a lot, and he's not actually happy about it. Which, oddly enough, because I love flying, and I still get quite schoolboyish about it. But my dad used to stay in hotels a lot as a journalist, and I always remember not believing him when he told me that he didn't like staying in hotels because the Telegraph in those days it was five star all the way. And, and he'd say, "No, son, I'd much rather be coming home and having tea yeah. with you." And I'd say, "No, you wouldn't. You've got a swimming pool and a jacuzzi <laughs> in your in your." But so you're like that about flying? Yeah, he, he does wear off. It does. He wears thin after about 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I believe you. Um, where are you off to next? Uh, Portugal, two weeks' time. Mind, there you go. Martin, round of applause. All right. Thanks very much. Sweet. Coming up to quarter to one, so we could do with a fancy pants answer to the itchy scratchy question. Does nobody know how scallops 
come into being? How, how do you make scallops? I presume you need a mummy scallop and a baby scallop, but shellfish can be quite interesting in that way. They can be bivalves or androgynous like seahorses. I'm not really in my comfort zone now. The best of James O'Brien. I'm sorry to, to bring seriousness into mystery, but I, for my money, this story should be huge. You think that the Labour Party's got a problem with anti-Semitism. You, you'd be right, but hop over to Hungary and have a look at some of the tropes being played out by Viktor Orban's um, far-right government. And uh, crikey, that's anti-Semitism writ very large. Sajad Karim, the Conservative MEP, has been in touch to explain why he abstained um, on the issue because he quite rightly considers Orban's regime to be despicable but felt he couldn't vote for the motion because it goes beyond the remit of the European Union. So he, he abstained. But I would just briefly read you the um, comment from the British well, for the Board of Deputies of British Jews on this issue, um, I note with disappointment from their president, Marie van der Zyl, I note with disappointment that Conservative Party MEPs have voted in defence of Hungary's populist right-wing government of Viktor Orban. As we have stated previously, we are very alarmed by the messages at the heart of Orban's election campaign, including his comments about Muslim invaders, calling migrants poison, and the vivid anti-Semitism in the relentless campaign against Jewish philanthropist George Soros. This whipping up of prejudice by the Hungarian government, along Alongside restrictions on press freedom and the independence of the judiciary must be stopped before it undermines Hungary's democracy irreversibly. It is very concerning that Conservative Party MEPs chose to defend Hungary's appalling track record rather than supporting a motion to protect the rule of law. What's happening to the Conservative Party? You've got Boris Johnson saying F business. Now you've got the European Parliament membership voting against a motion to protect the rule of law. These are things that the Conservatives are supposed to consider sacrosanct. I shall say this only once. Anybody from the Conservative Party or from the ranks of their supporters who has made hay over the Labour Party's real and present problems with anti-Semitic members, anybody who professed to care about the anti-Semitism of some of Jeremy, some of Jeremy Corbyn's supporters who is not up in absolute arms about what their own party have just done in the European Parliament, is a hypocrite, a liar, and a fraud. And you care no more about the welfare of Jewish people than you do about the welfare of, off the top of my head, the poor, the disabled, or the unemployed. This is, this is incredible, what these Conservative MEPs have done. But Brexit Britain has become such a warped and horrible place that it doesn't garner anything like the attention that it should. In fact, I'd go as far as to suggest that Conservative MEPs voting to essentially support a fascistic regime in the European Parliament will garner less attention from the once great British media than one idiot hurling unjustifiable abuse at Jacob Rees-Mogg's children yesterday. Let's get back to mystery. Get the smiles back on our faces before one o'clock. Sam's in Tottenham. Sam, question or answer? Uh, question. Carry on. Um, why do your toenails grow slower than your fingernails? How do you know that they do? Well, I, I cut them um, fewer times a month. Yes, but you're using your fingers more, so they're, they're, you're getting na natural wearing down on your fingers. Oh, I use my toenails quite a lot. A lot for? For, for walking about. No, no, you're not. You're never <laughs> going to be using... Really, you're not going to get natural stuff. filing on your toenails in the way that you would on your fingernails. I'm not, I mean, I, I, I still think even, even if that is the case, I still think they grow slower. Well, no, okay. I'll, I'll put it on the board. You've come to the party. And, and, and it's, they're also different in terms of the thickness. You're well. sounding weird now, mate. Sorry. No, it's all right. I mean, if you've got a thing about toenails, 
then that's yeah. fine. But th- this, you're not going to smuggle it past me, pretending that it's a mystery hour question. If you get your kicks out of phoning out radio stations and being quite <laughs> deep and talking about toenails, then uh, you know there are. Pl- there are pl- I'm not sure mystery hour is the place for you. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll have to get see some other radio. Stations I shall confine I myself to the speed of growth question. I want to know no more about your area of expertise. Twelve fifty-three is the time. Andy is in Leicester. Question or answer, Andy. I have a question. Carry on. Um, do babies suffer from travel sickness? Mystery is supposed to be f- silly. You're taking it very seriously. I hope we get you an answer, because presumably you want to know as a result of something that's happening in your own life at the moment. That uh, happened on, at the weekend, yeah. It just made me think, is that something that does happen to babies, or is it something that we develop over time from how, being so used to sitting forward? How old's the baby? Six months. Do you get... I still get travel sickness now, uh, but only when I try and read in a car. When I read and if I sit in the back, my wife also gets travel sick in the back as well. Yeah. So do babies suffer from it? How would we ever know? I'm not sure. We could only know once they'd achieved the power of speech, at which point, arguably, there wouldn't be a baby anymore. This is true. Also, would they know it was travel sickness? Babies are puking up all the time. How are they going to know that this particular puke is specific to the fact that they've got travel sickness and not just a general puke? We've done a, a longer journey than normal, and when we got to our destination, we gave them a feed. Yeah. Straight after he just brought it straight back up, so I just wondered if that was all linked in. I shall try and find out for you, but I, I, I would not be surprised if we failed you on this occasion. Okay. I shall do my best, but thank you for the question. 12.54. Angela's in Tunbridge Wells. Question or answer, Angela? I've got an answer, and it's, it's quite tragic, actually. I've listened to you each week yes. and uh, don't normally know the answers, and then you've got one about toenails, and I can answer it. You actually. thought, I'm having that. I'm having that. <laughs> Clear the path to the bar. Angela is coming through. Go on, then. What can you tell us? Okay, it's vitamin D and the sunshine so in the winter uh, toenails don't grow as fast as fingernails anyway because we wear socks and tend to have our feet covered up and in the summer they grow much faster um, because of the sun toes are out in the sun benefiting from vitamin D fingernails tend to grow faster as well uh, so, the so reason, yeah, go on how do you know this qualifications <laughs> I know it is because I was talking to a lady where I have a pedicure done and she was telling me they're so much busier through the summer and it's not just because people like to get their toes out, because their toenails grow faster. Uh, so if we lived in, if we never wore shoes, if we lived in like Jamaica, would mm-hmm. our toenails grow really fast? Probably, yeah. Oh, so they're out in the sunshine all the time. The pe- people that wear sandals, like Jeremy Corbyn, has probably got really <laughs> long, really <laughs> long your toenails. Research, your research that to me is that why people that wear sandals men that wear um, steals all my jokes have horrible long she steals all my jokes it's <laughs> it's embarrassing it's really embarrassing I, I made that joke in the break i can't believe she's come out and said it on the radio <laughs> round of applause for angela <laughs> thank, you. thank you angela i'm sure we'll talk about something intellectual next time you ring in bye bye jeff is in cobham jeff question or answer it's an answer james and it's a privilege to speak to i've been listening to you since before your girls were born. Well, I say, Jeff, it's a pleasure and to talk to you too. Better yeah, late than never. I say that very, very seldom I listen to uh, question or answer without I don't start bursting out laughing. That's the spirit. That is what we're here for, yeah, after all. Tree-tapping question. Good man. Fill, fill your boots. It's something that I've done myself. Really? Yeah, and it's it's nothing weird. It, it's to extract the, the sap, uh, sap from a, a birch tree, or any tree put of that, but basically birch trees, to make birch sap wine. Oh, you ferment it, do you? You you actually ferment it, yeah. Uh, it ferments quite naturally. Uh, and again, you 
you're advised if, if you have a reader a winemaking book you're advised to never take more than one gallon from a tree you take it about march time when the sap is running in the tree and you drill a hole about an inch diameter in the tree you you draw the the actual sap off but then you've got to plug that tree because otherwise <clears throat> the tree will bleed oh you don't want that uh, and no it i mean this was a practice that went back to the I would say the Eastern European countries, Russia, Poland, places like that. What are you basing that on? Because this is what your round of applause hinges on, Jeff. What, what well, makes you think that's where it started? Where it, where it originated from. Yeah, I'm going to give you a round of applause because you're so it, nice. It's origina- well, if, if you want an actual time, yeah. uh, James, when was wine first made? If anybody could answer that question, then you'd have the answer to Bert's that one. Wine o'clock. several hundred years... Uh, I know in Russia... Mate, I'm going to give you a round of applause, Jeff. I, 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 there it is. I could listen to you all day, but I want to squeeze in a couple of more answers. Before you go, what does it taste like, birch sap wine? Br- <laughs> b- briefly. Birch sap wine, yeah. yeah. I would say it's a, a similar thing with the, the maple syrup. No, what does the wine taste like? What does it taste like? It's a bit like a Sauvignon Blanc. Is it really? Yes, it What, is. cheeky? It's a very pleasant wine. Cheeky and a little bit flinty? Uh, yeah, possibly. Soft on the palate? <laughs> Top note of petrol, hint of blackberry. Depends on your palate. I prefer white wine, so the soft on the palate. Good man, Jeff. What a lovely answer. Give him another round of applause. What a lovely man. Thank you, Jeff. Patrick's in Milton Keynes. Briefly, Patrick, question or answer? Uh, just an answer for your spiderweb question. How, how long does it stay sticky? Silly question. So it would stay sticky for as long as the spiderweb is intact. And the spiderweb can last for as long as it's not touched, basically. So, oh, how embarrassing. Um, as long not as someone question. doesn't hoover it up or move it, it should stay there for as long as it's there. So, not a silly question, then. Not a silly question, no. Round of applause for Patrick. Very quickly, Marty is in Belfast. Question or answer, Marty? First time ever, James, I have an answer. Go on, then. Uh, and it's for the scallops. How do they scallops do it? Sex. How do they do it? They actually have non touchy uh, sex, they, they, they reproduce by a process known as spawning, as do a lot of other fish. The males uh, release their sperm into the water at the same time as the females release their eggs, and the the sperm floats through the water and fertilises the eggs. Qualifications? Uh, The godfather of all things natural, David Attenborough's Blue Planet, many years ago. Beautiful work. I should have known that. Not as sexy as I hoped. Here's Sheila Fogarty. But there's artistry in it all the same, <laughs> isn't there, from somewhere. Thank you very much, James. If you enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.